that wasn't even the most drama we had this weekend. No. Mm-mm. We saw for the first time in my life a damn near brawl. And I'm here for it. Welcome to episode two of Softball Speak Easy. If you're new here, my name is Rain Wilson, and I'm a former Duke softball player, now analyst and broadcaster. And I'm Kelly Torres, current Duke softball catcher. Softball Speak Easy is a podcast that will be giving you a behind-the-scenes look at Duke's 2024 campaign. We'll be following storylines throughout the college softball season, and we'll aim to give you next-level access into what it's like to play college softball at the Division I level. We'll share stories, laughs, and of course, have some fun. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. We have to thank you all for the overwhelming support we received after episode one, all the comments, the likes, the subscriptions. We read everything. So please follow us at SB Speak Easy on all platforms. Comment, like, subscribe. And speaking of commenting and liking and subscribing, we received a ton of questions across all of our platforms that we will begin to answer at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that because we received a lot of them and they're really, really good questions. But without further Further ado, let's get into episode two. Kelly, you're back on U.S. soil. Duke goes three and one. Feeling pretty good, but give me your overall thoughts on the weekend. Mexico was like heaven. The weather was awesome. The food, the buffet at the resort, my gosh, chef kiss. But we open up with Oklahoma and Team 7 really made a statement. Bats were on fire. Pitching was on fire. Defense was stellar. So we ended up losing that game 3-0, but I'm very proud of how we came and showed up. Oklahoma was able to just tie in some runs, and once we start finding our holes in the field, Team Seven's going to be a team to look out for. And so then you, you mean you, like you mentioned, you all came out firing all cylinders. Of course, you get shut out, mm-hmm. you lose 3-0, but I don't think the box score tells the complete story, and especially because right after that, you come back and you win your next three and dominant fashion there's about 10 people we could list as having an amazing weekend so take me through the rest of the games in Mexico yeah Claire Davidson Iowa State she was the player of the game bases loaded nonchalantly puts her barrel to a ball (laughs) and it goes about like 300 feet clears the bases Uh, first grand slam of the season. Jada Baker, our shortstop, had amazing defense, really kept the infield all kept together. Cassidy Kerr, Jayla Wright in the Nebraska game. Wow, one hitter. That was an amazing game to watch and be a part of. Yeah, Jayla crushed it. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many people we could talk about as having crushed it this past weekend, but we have to talk about one person in particular on another team. Nebraska's Jordy Ball, one of the faces of our sport right now, goes down with a knee injury the night before and it looked wicked. So we're just wishing her all thoughts to hopefully heal that knee and hopefully we'll see her back on the field. But I know you all were bummed out that you didn't get to face Jordy Ball on Nebraska. Yeah, no, we were prepping. We were ready for Jordy Ball. About a week in advance, we already had the rise ball drop on machine going on like 80 miles an hour. It was a bummer that we didn't get to see her. I hope she's feeling better. Nebraska still had some bats though. So it's not only a one man train over there. This is the opportunity for them to prove that they're not a one trick pony. I'm hopeful that we'll see her again as one of the faces of our sport and for Nebraska's sake as well. But you all come back. You go to FIU this weekend. You play some solid teams there. What's the morale of the team feel like right now? Well, we're blessed. We are very grateful that we went to Mexico and our next weekend is in Miami. So we're really trying to just soak in all the places coach is taking us, giving back to the community, having some nice weather, some sun on our skin. So we're excited 
excited just being another tropical state, especially for me. It's my hometown and I have yeah. some family, friends. I might meet some cousins I've never met before coming to this game. That's awesome. Yeah, we should speak on quickly what Coach Young has done for all of Duke softball throughout my career and now yours. Whenever we go anywhere, she takes us to the coolest places. I can remember going to Louisville and we went to the Muhammad Ali Museum. I can remember going to Atlanta, to Georgia Tech. She took us to a Braves game. Like any city we're in, she always, always, always wants us to be there culturally and to donate our hours to community service. So Coach Young is one of the best in the, in the sport at that. And I'm so thankful for all of those experiences that we got to have as a team because Mexico is just one of them and what a cool experience that is. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Rain. Duke crushed it this weekend, but let's talk about another team in ACC, Florida State losing to Charlotte, but you and I both know Charlotte is a pretty darn good team. You faced Charlotte in the regionals last year. I was on the call for that regional, so we got to see firsthand how good Charlotte was and I'll give a quick little recap of their weekend against Florida State so they come out, they beat Florida State in extra innings, night game, amazing softball game. They had It had everything. It had illegal pitches. It had reviews. It had mm-hmm. close calls. But they come out with the victory against Florida State. They charge the field. They're throwing up water. It's the biggest win in program history. And then the next day comes, and they play Florida State again. And Florida State, I don't know if they were sleepy the night before, but they were not asleep for the game, too, because they came out and they dog-walked them. What's better for team morale? Is it to lose two games back-to-back really tight, one play away from winning the game or is it better that you win that first game extra innings you come back the next day fired up you feel like you're on the same level and then the other team just dog walks you what's better for team morale rain you never want to be dog walked never 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 want to be be dog no never so whatever option is the other option is the correct one (laughs) (laughs) but i do think it is good for for charlotte to see that they can beat a team of that caliber but then the next day to come back and have that same team just wipe the floor with you cannot feel good but we'll see I know you and I both know Charlotte's a great team Florida State's always good so it'll be interesting to see where they end up and we'll see if Charlotte's back at the Duke Regional because that's a very real possibility so we'll see what happens we play Charlotte every single year it's not even in regionals it could be a midweek a weekend in Charlotte every game we play against Charlotte's always close they come out and they compete their butts off with whether it's grass in the circle their bats and even their defense I love how they have like baseball shifts they they take their stuff seriously over there they are building something really really wonderful there and congrats to them and we'll see you know what happens down the line but speaking of acc teams let's talk about another acc team and some drama let's talk about virginia tech going down to auburn virginia tech ends the weekend at 4 and one they tied auburn in the record book or in the scorebook yeah but that's not the full story it is I not. watched the game live, but Kelly, I know you have a friend at Virginia Tech who told you the story, so please feel free to share. What I heard from my side, I wasn't able to watch the game, so you might have a better understanding, but fifth inning tied 5-5. Come seventh inning, bases loaded, no outs. Virginia Tech hits a grand slam. Now it's 9-5. Rain delay starts raining, starts raining. Virginia Tech didn't have a problem with the rain from what I'm hearing. They were balling. They kept playing their game. Auburn asked for another ball. They got the new ball, then would throw that ball back, ask for another ball. Obviously did not want to play in that condition. Ended up getting a rain delay. Three hours later, the game got canceled. Yeah, so the game reverted back to when it was a tie score. Virginia Tech, I know, was 
pissed as I would be too. As anyone should. A grand slam, that doesn't come around every day. I literally turned the game off after that hit because I thought, no way they're going to come back four runs, Auburn. No way they're going to come back after the grand slam. I would love to have been in the freaking conversation between Virginia Tech's head coach, the umpires, and Mickey Dean. Probably very animated. I would (sighs) love to be a fly on the wall. But Kelly... (laughs) That wasn't even the most drama we had this weekend. No. Mm-mm. We saw for the first time in my life a damn near brawl. And I'm here for it because I want to be a part of a brawl at least once in my college career. Well, let's talk about what happened. So ULL versus Cal. And you can tell when teams are like kind of butting heads a little bit. You know, after a strikeout, the pitcher's like screaming and like looking in the other dugout. The catcher maybe flips the ball up a little bit higher and mm-hmm. takes a peek at the other dugout. Like that was happening already. So ULL versus Cal at ULL. It's raining. The Cal pitcher is pitching. She cannot get a grip at all. Cal is up one to zero. She starts walking people. Cal's dugout is like, yo, stop the game. My pitcher can't get a grip on the ball. Umpires say it's fine. So runner gets a third. And remember, ULL is down by one run, one zero. Cal. And pitcher throws a wild pitch, gets to the backstop. They score. ULL was like lit out of the dugout, like pounding their chests and stuff. Then, then this is when the drama really begins. Cal's assistant coach comes flying out of the dugout, starts screaming at the umpire. Umpire immediately throws her out of the game. Her players try to pull her out. Then you can't see it. They don't show it. But then the catcher of Cal, and you can see the feet of a ULL player and the catcher mm-hmm. kind of like getting tussling, you know? And so then she gets thrown out. Story, and then now short, the other out. players are coming out of the dugout. No, uh-huh. it was crazy. And we'll put the video up on our YouTube. If you're on listening only or watching on Spotify, go check us out on YouTube and you can see the video, the full video. Crazy stuff. Cal was ready to throw some hands. They came out. They were supporting their coach. They were like, we're ready. Louisiana, if you're heading onto this field, we're throwing some hands. And Louisiana didn't. Like you said, it was only that one batter in the catcher. Kind of got into a little ruffle we weren't able to see. But I wanted the whole entire team to get out there with them the problem is in the rule book and this is good for you to know is that if you leave the dugout if you like enter the playing field you're ejected so don't do unless you're for sure like down to fight kill like don't do that um <laughs> hopefully but. i'll be on defense so i'll be on and i'll have my gear on so it's like yeah. if you're fighting me like hit my chest yeah you know? you're good i already you're have good. gear on no for sure and you know what i saw so many replies that i have a problem with and that on that clip if this were men, oh, their emotions are just running high. It's, it's about being competitive, like all these things. I don't think I've ever seen under a brawl ever in professional baseball, which those guys are can be 18 to 22 as well, ever. What a disgrace to the game. Baseball fans say, oh, that's just part of the game. And so then we see a, women who don't even make contact, right? They don't even punch each other. And we see a bunch of tweets from people saying the cow coach should be fired immediately, suspended immediately. Those players should be just like, ashamed of them themselves all these things and it's like i just think that in softball we should we should also allow for emotions to run high because it means that people care of course we want Mm -hmm. to handle things with communication and words and not use our fists that's of course but understanding that the the, sometimes the boiling point is it's going to boil over and that's just like a passion energetic part of the game and that's just what i think every single sport you know basketball baseball it happens in every sport but when it happens in softball oh now we have a problem you know doesn't sit well with me 
I got beef mm-hmm. with that. But a lot of people had beef with the umpires in the Washington versus Oklahoma game. I had beef with the umpires. Kelly had beef. I had beef with the umpires. Every close call kind of goes to Oklahoma. You don't want to be that one umpire who calls it wrong and then the all the sooner fan base just comes at you you know like True. i get that's a lot of pressure but washington oklahoma washington had that game i think it was the bottom of the six slide into home was safe on replay but in mexico yeah. there was no replay so sadly yeah. the call did not go their way but they go into extra and then oklahoma ends up getting an extra run and they take that win. that was not the only bad call on oh. some base running against oklahoma mm-hmm. so if, if you go back and watch a duke softball game against mm-hmm. oklahoma first First game of the I damn season. Play. I I was on second base. I yes. think I just got hit by pitch, mm-hmm. made it to second. There is a ball. I took the catcher a little to her right. I thought it went past her, but still, the catcher yeah. left her position. I read it early. Mm-hmm. I take off. I dive in, have a, like a hook slide to third. She missed the tag. They literally yeah. recorded it. Flo Sapa recorded it, posted it on Instagram. If you go in slow-mo, they missed the tag, and I put mm-hmm. my hand back on third, and I was safe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that really wasn't a big play like Washington's was that ended up it could have won the game for them but still yeah. another another play that just could have went you know the other way in another way well kelly i'm gonna play some devil's avocado here okay <laughs> uh-huh. was that the, that was the third out of the inning right it was it was the third out of the inning and you were I on second scoring position with your <laughs> offense yeah but let's hold on let me let me let me play devil's avocado before you start defending yourself mm-hmm. okay we i was uh-huh. watching that game with some alumni Caroline Jacobson, Peyton St. George, shout out. And the consensus was you looked out, even if maybe an instant replay with five different angles, you might not have been Mm -hmm. making the third out on that kind of play with Kenzie Hansen behind the plate. I think is silly, but that's just me. Yeah, I know. She's a, she has an arm. She was awesome catcher. I was in a different world. I, I was all like, we're beating Oklahoma, you know? So when I saw the ball take off the other way, I'm like, it's now or never. So I'm running, you know? So it was just an aggressive move on my part. You can always rein it back, right? Like I think aggression is good. Anyway, speaking of video (laughs) review and how important that is, and you didn't have it in Mexico, there was a lot of video review in the Florida State versus Charlotte game that hit on some brand new rules that I want to talk to you about. The first one that now is video reviewable, and this is crazy, like this changes our sport, and we can talk about why. Now you can review if a runner has left early. Yes. And this is huge. Now, anytime that there's a steal late in the game, you have to be on time. There's no, because mm-hmm. you can review it. It's very easy to see as well on the replay. So that's something that's video reviewable. So as a catcher, I'm sure you're like, let's go, oh, baby. I'm ecstatic. How many times this year do you think you'll go like this? Yo, coach, oh. review that. She left early, coach. I'm going to say minimum five. But there's so many times where I'm like seeing the pitcher motion and I know someone's yes. going already and the pitcher sure. hasn't released the ball. You For know, sure. and that not only makes me rush my throw, but what are the chances that I'm going to get this girl out even if it's a perfect throw you know we only have 60 feet between our bases I don't know if you know this but I caught a little bit at Duke and Mm -hmm. I caught all through high school I caught Peyton in high school and dude same thing and the thing is too as a player you are absolutely 100% taught to leave early but now you can't you cannot do it or you run the risk of getting it reviewed and now you're out this is going to be a huge huge rule change because now coaches have that in their back pocket but they have to use it strategically and they have to see kind of 
what makes most sense. And I also think we're going to see catchers throwing people out. That that number is going to skyrocket. So I'm excited for mm-hmm. you. It's going to be a great year for you. Might break some records. I hope so. Hope so. So that's reviewable now, which is exciting. Along with that rule change, there's a, a number of rule changes, but I want to talk about one in particular, the step and stride rule. It's to allow pitchers to disengage from the playing surface during the delivery, but they cannot replant. The slang leaping is totally legal, but they cannot replant their back foot, then engage again. So that is a huge rule because you know, as well as I know, leaping has been illegal for a long time. And so pitchers have kind of practiced their way out of it. Now it is legal, but you can't replant. And in Charlotte versus FSU, I know you were playing, so you couldn't watch the whole game. A Charlotte pitcher got called for it five times out of six pitches. The coach had to take her out because the umpire was like, no, she's replanting. And the coach was like, no, she's not. And so I think this is going to be a huge thing moving forward is what is replanting? What does it look like? I'm curious what your team, has thought about that role and where where you see it kind of playing out. Well, we haven't encountered anything so far. Jayla Wright, one of our pitchers, did get called for that leaping rule last year. So I hope it helps her out. She doesn't have to get so much in her head thinking about, you know, where her feet should be during her motion. But I see it more as like the velo is going to start enhancing, you know, with leaping comes higher velo, better spin on balls. So the game just might be a little bit quicker. And with all of these rule changes and why Watching these games and when I watch with people who don't know the sport there's a lot of questions so with that we wanted to create a new segment called no dumb questions now if you're a sports podcast listener and you've listened to Jason and Travis Kelsey's podcast about football they do a, sa- a similar segment and we wanted to add that because we think you know even if you're not a softball fan I'm sure you would enjoy this amazing podcast right watching with my girlfriend and our dear friend who don't know softball I got a lot of really really amazing questions yes. and the first one is okay. which position on the field has the weirdest personality weirdest personality if i'm looking across the board all the teams i've ever been on mm-hmm. i kind of have to go with first base oh really oh my yes. god that's shocking what do you what do you <laughs> go with i was gonna say pitchers for sure pitchers or catchers like catchers are weird too for sure <laughs> you know maybe i'm biased because i'm a catcher and i'm currently playing so i'm like no we're not that weird catchers catchers are up there for sure i mean catchers are weird too like i'm full on that train like we we like to get hit we like are cool with that and we're like down to like slug a bunch of gear everywhere like people don't realize like catchers are carrying 80 pounds of stuff everywhere pitchers are funny because they'll get up to bat if they ever hit they'll get up to bat and they'll swing and miss every time okay this is most pitchers i'm not just, like there's some that are different they'll like swing and miss or they'll hit a ball 400 feet and they haven't taken bp in months right pitchers are so unique they have to be unique because they have to a tight game all that pressure is on you you're gonna either be the hero of the damn story or you can be the villain and that takes a certain character how many pitchers percentage okay do you know that have a crazy parent i can't think of one that doesn't that's that's my (laughs) that's my struggle shout out to all of our pitcher parents out there that are not crazy comment if you know come back to this episode and and let us know if you're not a crazy pitcher parent because i have yet to meet one and for our next no dumb questions i know that one was a little bit more opinion-based random but this one is just a question and it is why do softball players wear white pants if they know they're going to get dirty good question 
I have no idea. School colors? I have no idea either. I mean, it looks good. Pinstripes. It looks looks good. good. Also, this is a female game and, you know, (laughs) females do have a time of the month. So it also is beyond me because sometimes accidents happen. And in white pants, it's never fun. We've all been there. We've all been there. It's a great question. Why do we wear white pants? It doesn't make a ton of sense. That's more of a question to our society, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Not to the yeah. sport. Yeah. What's up, society? So those are our <laughs> no dumb questions of the week. There's plenty more where that came from. But now I say we move on to our listener questions. So these are the questions that you all have sent us, texted us, commented, and we are going to hit a couple of those. And this is a big one. This comes from a former coach of mine, high school coach, state champion. And he said, what is the difference in tough coaching and abusive coaching? And what should an incoming freshman look for when they start in a program? This is a big question. It is a big question. Honestly, I still don't know the line between tough coaching and abusive coaching because you, it's the mindset, it's whatever mindset you're in when you're taking that feedback, in my opinion, because I don't think a coach is ever doing something to hurt their team, you know, whether it's tone, whether it's the message, it comes across, it comes across harsh or whatever it is. It's honestly for the betterment of the program for the team, but the way that someone could take it could be, oh, that's tough coaching or it's abusive. So Mm. that one's a little bit like, where's the line? You need to have more of a relationship with your coach. Maybe if you know each other a little bit more, it'll be easier for you. Mm. But as an incoming freshman, what to look for in a program? I would say if you can find a school that if you get hurt or something happens, you will still love life at that school, then I think you found the right spot. I actually have a very kind of not very different thought on the tough versus abusive coaching, but I think there's a very fine line. And so I do agree with Mm -hmm. you that it depends on the circumstance and the context, but I do think the tough coach is someone you know at the end of the day has your back and like respects you as a human being. The abusive coach does not respect you as a human being. And the best coach I can think of that has balanced that for me has been Josh Bloomer. And he is the current Arizona hitting coach. Because he would get on us so much and he would demand excellence from us. But you knew every day when you walk off the field, he still had your back as a human. And he still respected you as a human being. He always spoke to me as a human being. And there were times where he and I would, we were, we would argue, we would yell. And in particular, there were games that I would, my heart was on my sleeve. I was showing too much emotion. He would show emotion right back at me. And then we would circle back later and have a conversation about it. And he would say, hey, look, I want you to know I'm competing. And I want you to know when my voice gets raised like that, I'm not coming at you as a human, as a person. I'm just competing. I want the best for the team. And I always knew that that was his priority. I've, But I've had a number of, not a ton of coaches, but a few that are there for themselves. They're there for their own ego. It's they're massaging their own Mm -hmm. ego through through coaching, I think. And an example of that, I won't mention when this happened in my career, but a coach would look at us and say he would number us one or two based on whether you're a starter or whether you were a role player. He didn't remember your name. He would say one or two every single day. And so even though, you know, you know, as Duke right now, yeah. you all know who the starting lineup is, right? There, I mean, there might be 10, 11 of you, right, that are in the mix, but you all know. And so 
every day being reminded that you're two, you're two, you're two. And he, he couldn't even remember who you were. Like you're two, two, two. And we would all start practice like that. One, 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 two, one, two, two, one, two. And for me, that's, that's emotionally abusive. Like, and I think for sure he wanted to win, of course, but at what expense, right? At what expense? And I think this is the question that I, it could be in a podcast in and of itself. And so we aren't going to even go near answering it completely. But I think in short, it, a tough coach is someone who demands excellence, but has their heart and trust in the right place. And how you develop that trust is you are vulnerable with your players. You admit when you're wrong. You admit when you make mm-hmm. mistakes and it, and it humanizes you. And I think Josh Bloomer, shout out coach Bloomer. I think you just did that perfectly. And the thing is with Bloomer and he would admit this. Some people don't agree with that. Some people think he was too tough and I'm just on the side of, I think he was the perfect right amount of toughness for me. And I think for, to your point, Kelly, it just depends on the person. And then as far as what should an incoming freshman look for when they start in a program, I'll just read it as an incoming freshman. They're going to the school no matter what. Find Mm -hmm. the seniors that you want to be like. Find those people that you can see yourself being. For me, it was a senior that taught me how to fill out a resume. She taught me how to interview. We would do mock interviews together. And it was another senior who would pull me into early hitting every day. If I wasn't there, she'd get on me. And so I found those people early on that I wanted to emulate. The thing is, too, you have to look at the graduating people from that program. And you have to understand, if you're going to be a freshman there, if you're going to graduate from there, you are going to be one of them. You're going to be some type of them. That's like that's the washer machine that is a culture of a team is you get in there and you kind of start to become similar to each other, like whether you like it or not. And it doesn't need to be like everyone likes the same things. Everyone's interested in doing the same things. But for Duke, for example, our teammates are like, I want to be a a neurosurgeon. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. I want to be this or an entrepreneur. All of these motivations, whereas other programs, it might be a different kind of washer machine of a culture that you will come out of a different person but look at those seniors and figure out do you want to be like them because that's what you will probably be like well said rain and then we'll do one more question our final question comes from former teammate and dear friend kylie caulfeld who's currently coaching a young team so if you're a young player watching if you're one of kylie's players thank you for tuning in but she asks in big Mm -hmm. moments go through your mental state What helps you most to focus and get the job done? Well, for me, I think I've changed throughout the years. Like we said earlier, the game's constantly changing. So back when I was a freshman, I think it was just to compete. Sophomore year, it was to breathe, to relax. And now I'm seeing the game is bigger than I am. I think it's the last year you're looking at things you're very grateful. My good friend Kaylee Rodriguez, um, she played at University of Michigan, was diagnosed with cancer, and sadly it ended her career. And I have her on my helmet every game. And when things get, you know, when it, when the pressure builds, I'm just like, yeah. wow, what would Kaylee do to play another game? And yeah. that right there is just all I need to get my focus, to get my job done and play not just for myself, but for something much bigger than I am. Well said and well said. And I, I'm not playing anymore, but I can empathize in what I felt at that time. And I honestly, that was something I struggled with my entire career was like big moments because I had always tried to be perfect in those moments. 
and made those moments so big in my mind that I like it paralyzed me. And so post graduation, post softball career, now my big moments are when I call a big game. Now my big moments are when I am the first time I was ever on ESPN, which was last year at the regional. Like those were my big moments where I, I get to recapture the opportunity to do well in big moments because I've always kind of felt handicapped by my mind. And and so for me now, it's it sounds like whatever, but it's breathing. <laughs> breathing is so important. And so that has helped me so, so much in trying to navigate this world of TV and being on camera and trying to talk live and not mess up is breathing and letting things breathe. Mm -hmm. And I'm still a work in progress for that. But that is such a good question. I think if you're a player, you should spend as much time on that question as you do on your swing, on your yeah. on your fielding and all of that. So it's very critical. You have to remember pressure is a privilege yeah and pressure can do two things pressure could you know press compress it can destroy or pressure can make diamonds you know hey. and you got to look at it like i'm coming out a diamond absolutely absolutely so thank you all so much for asking those questions i know that's just two of them we have so many more that we'll get to next week as well so stay tuned for that as a reminder we'll be a part of the softball america podcast network so you can find us chatting there every single wednesday night thank you so much for watching listening viewing and subscribing softball speakeasy comes out every single wednesday watch us on youtube Listen, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us at SB Speakeasy on all platforms. It means so, so much. We cannot wait to be back here next week. We will see you then. Thank you so much. See you next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.